you have a Bible with you today, I do want to invite you to look up Luke chapter 1. Uh, Luke is one of the four Gospels, and these tell us about the life of Jesus. The word gospel means good news, right? It's just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They tell us about the life of Jesus. And for the start of our Christmas season here at church, we'll be looking at the start of our Christmas story. And that is our series title is Christmas Stories, right? Nothing, nothing better than Christmas stories. Um, and as you may know, Christmas is like one thing that's almost illegal to hate, right? If, if you don't like Christmas, like you literally get called names, like a Grinch or a Scrooge. Like you get called names just for not liking a holiday. But we, we go all out for Christmas in America, right? Okay, we have Christmas lights, cookies, decorations, trees, ornaments, Wrapping paper, music, candles, movies, shows, 736 Hallmark movies about a girl that leaves a big city and goes to a town and like falls in love with a, a guy that's either a lumberjack or a ranch owner or a baker or a teacher, right? There's all them, and it's the same, same plot. It's just different people. You're like, didn't I see this one? You did. You already saw that one. No, but, and then we, I mean, we have Christmas sweaters, like, the sweaters are the, their own genre is Christmas sweaters. We have Christmas pajamas. Like, that, you have to get new pajamas just because it's Christmas, apparently. Like, we have Christmas dog outfits. Don't forget about your dog. Your dog also needs to dress up for Christmas. Christmas slippers. You can't wear the same slippers you wear the rest of the year. You have to wear Christmas slippers. Sleigh rides. And now gnomes. All right, have you got, like, gnomes are now apparently a Christmas thing? When did this happen? Like, gnomes are garden things. Like, you, they're called garden gnomes. Nobody, at least here, grows gardens in the winter. So why did, I, that's one I just don't understand. Like, I mean, I knew about the elves, right? But now we have gnomes. Next year, guarantee it, you're going to see Christmas trolls. It's going to be a thing. I, I'm calling it right now. Or, you know, maybe Christmas will, like, slowly start to, like, its, its goal is to eat up all the other holidays until one year it's just Christmas all year. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> uh, but it's Christmas. It's celebrated like no other holiday in the year. And Christmas time, if you didn't know, it's here. It's December. And I do love Christmas, but I've sometimes wondered, like, the why behind the Christmas story, you know? We like to say we're all God's children, but I think that's a little more literal than what we think it is. I think we actually act a lot more like children to God than we realize. And I know this because I have three little girls, um, and I work with kids all the time, and a toddler's favorite words are no and why. <laughs> no and why. Like, uh, please, please come eat your dinner. Like, no. I would love for someone to just say, hey, I have food for you, right? But they say, no. Or uh, uh, please go clean up your toys. Why? Why? Because they're not put away. What do you, or, or my personal favorite, my personal favorite is we're driving in the, are we there yet? <laughs> no, not yet. Why? <laughs> but, because we're on the interstate. That's why. We're not stopping here. This is not the destination. Oh. But if you read the Bible, you understand God's people, us included, ask a lot of whys and say a lot of no's. And, and it's still true with us today. So naturally, I got to wondering, why? Why, God? Why did the Christmas story happen the way it did? Like, why did it happen when it did? 
Uh, I don't know if I have a lot of answers for you today, <laughs> but hopefully I leave you with some good questions um, for yourself today. Um, now, if you're able, would you please stand with us, and we're going to pray, and we're going to invite God just into this place with us, uh, be aware of him. So God, we thank you that we get to come here freely and worship you and learn from you, open up your word and let it speak to us. God, I pray you would change my heart today. God, help me understand more of you today from your word. Help me see Christmas even in a different way than I ever have before. God, challenge me. Don't let me leave this place the same that I walked in. God, and I pray that for all of us. God, that we would lean in today and we would truly experience you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Thank you so much. Now, Maybe the only Christmas story you've ever heard is the one where a little kid asks for a BB gun and shoots Santa's eye out. I don't, okay, I know that's not really what happens, okay. Um, but that's not the Christmas story we're talking about today. Uh, today we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 1 in your Bible. So if you have your Bible, we're going to read a couple verses uh, from Luke chapter 1. So Luke chapter 1 starting at verse 26 here. All right, it says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel want, went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I mean, he just said, you're highly favored. That's the kind of greeting. Right, anyway, anyway. Uh, verse 30 says, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Verse 34. How will, this meet, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Now, we've all been in situations where there's been bad timing. Um, you get a flat tire on the way to work. Or maybe you lose your job right after you just bought a house. Or maybe your kid has to pee right as you're about to leave the house and you're already running, running late to church. Right? I've been in those situations before. But we went through a situation that kind of felt like bad timing about five years ago. Um, I grew up in Apple Valley, Minnesota, and had lived in the South, 20, South Twin Cities my entire life. Um, I worked at the church I grew up in. My dad was the pastor of this church. It was amazing. I, I loved it. I loved our church. I loved being there. It was an amazing season of our life. Um, May 2017, Sam and I bought our first real home, like, like normal one-story little home, right? It was amazing, a little wooded lot right on the edge of town, like not like right in the middle of all the busyness, but still close enough to like every little thing that you could ever ask for. Um, we bought our first house. We had been looking for a house for like five or six months at least. Um, and we were about to welcome our first daughter, Erilyn, into the world that June. Okay, so we finally bought a house and closed on it a couple weeks 
before our daughter was born. Do not recommend that to anybody, just by the way. <laughs> it is very stressful and lots of packing and having a wife that's pregnant and not being able to set up a nursery. Not the greatest thing. Um, <laughs> but we, we bought our house and closed on it a couple weeks before she was born. Um, Erilyn had her first Christmas in that home. But about that time, we felt God leading us somewhere else. Felt God speaking to us. Uh, Pastor Corey had actually reached out to us a year earlier and asked if we would ever consider moving to this little town called Sock Center. We said, no, that just doesn't feel like the right time. Um, but now, after moving into our new home, we knew God was asking us to just trust him. Um, now, I don't know if you know this or not, but typically it's not a great financial decision to try and sell a house right after you move into the house. <laughs> um, Nine months after you bought the house, not even having been in the house for an entire year, but we decided to try to trust God and his timing. But it, it, I'm telling you, it felt like bad timing. And Mary had to do the same thing. She had to trust God. If I was Mary, I'd think, this is terrible timing. Really, God? Why, why now? Don't you know what people are going to think about me? Like, I'm not married yet. I'm engaged, and he's going to know this child is not his my family might even disown me. But you know what she doesn't ask? Why? She doesn't, none, none of this story. She never asks why. She doesn't question why God would interrupt her life. She already knows the bigger plan. She already knows that God's plans are bigger than hers. And the first words that are recorded that she says are this. She says, how will this be? She already knows the why. She knows God has a promise to send a savior. She already understands this. She knows the scripture. But how? Now, when I, I read this, I don't read it in the negative how of like, well, how for Pete's sakes are you going to do that, God? Like, no, I don't read it like this. I read it like she's like a, a childlike faith that just watched a magician pull a coin out of your ear. You're like, how in the world did you do that? Like, she's recognizing the power of God. Say, how will this be? Like, this is amazing, right? She's recognizing the power of God and showing her humility at the same time. And through this whole thing, we see that Mary is just humbly willing to follow God's direction, no matter how crazy it may sound. Now, I don't know about you, but my first reaction when I feel like God tell me to do something that sounds even just a little bit out there is not usually like, yes, okay, I'm gonna do it, God. My first reaction is actually probably pretty selfish, and I have to wrestle with these feelings of like, like, am I really hearing from God? Maybe that wasn't from him. Or, or if I do that, what are other people going to think of me? Like, but I, I probably would have a lot more questions for the angel Gabriel than Mary did. And I even now still have questions like, why did Christmas happen when it did? Why didn't God send Jesus like, you know, a couple years after Adam and Eve sinned, instead of like all of the Israelite history and having to wait thousands of years for Jesus to be born, why did it happen this way? Why, why didn't it just like, bam, it's over right away? Now, I don't know if I have the answer for you, um, but it is something that I've thought about over the years and done some research on. Um, so here's some reasons why it might have happened this way. All right, uh, so when Jesus was born, this was a relatively peaceful time in history in the Roman Empire. This allowed more people to actually be available 
to hear what Jesus had to say instead of being like off fighting in some war or there being conflict and people hiding everywhere. Like it was relatively peaceful and it was easy for Jesus to move about from town to town. All right, the, the Roman Empire was also very open to other religions as long as that religion still claims Caesar as God. This worked great for all other religions except for the Jews who said there's only one God. So the Roman government being very pragmatic and, and willing to like work with other people, they eventually said, you know what, you guys can still have your own religion like, that, that's okay. We'll make an exception. An exception is, you must claim Caesar as God unless you're a Jew and just stubborn. All right, and that, that was basically their exception to the rule. So the Romans tolerated the Jews but put heavy taxes on them, thought very little of them. But this openness to other religions allowed Christianity to kind of spread at the beginning. The Roman, re, Roman leaders assumed Christianity was still a part of the Jewish tradition. Um, and this continued, their openness continued until around 70 AD, and that's where we see the kind of persecution of, of Christians begin. Um, during this time of peace, though, new roads would be built, allowing more travel to easily go from place to place. This allowed the gospel to travel and spread far more quickly, far more easily. And culturally, it was a great time for Jesus to be born. Alexander the Great had conquered much of the known world at that time, which spread Greek culture, Greek language, and literacy. This was some, more people were reading when Jesus was born than ever before in history. More people were able to read, which was a big deal for Christianity because, as you know, the New Testament was entirely, was mostly composed of letters and writings that spread from place to place, people sending these, copying them down, spreading them all over, and that's one of the ways that Christianity was actually able to grow and spread. So more people in Jesus' time were learning to read. Um, and then they had Greek philosophers, you know, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle. They had already asked these kind of big questions of life, of like, what on earth am I here for? What is the meaning of life? And someone once said that Greek philosophers tilled the ground of human heart and Christ sowed the seeds of meaning. So maybe it was a good time for Jesus to be born. And maybe God had a plan after all. But it's hard for us as time-sensitive beings to trust a God who is timeless. Right? We, don't, we don't see time in the same way that God does. And so it's hard for us to trust and, and understand how he th sees things, how he thinks through all these things. God sees everything all at once. And not just what's happening in this moment, but what's happening in every moment in history and future all at the same time. And we don't understand that because we, we can't even comprehend that. But Galatians 4.4 says this. It says, but when the time set had fully come, God sent his son. And I love that phrase. When the time set had fully come, his timing was perfect. It's hard for us to trust what we don't understand. But we don't have to understand everything to understand that God is good. Now, I, I don't understand everything about phones. Okay? I don't. I have no idea what's going on inside of this. Right? I, I know no clue what's going on in the circuitry, circuitry and all of those things. But I trust when I push this button... It's going to turn on. I trust that. Not because I know what's going on inside, but because I trust that the people who designed it and made it wanted to make a good product, wanted to make something that actually worked for people. 
And the same is true, we can trust God, even though we don't understand how everything works. We don't have to, because we know that God is good, right? And when we go through difficult circumstances, when we're tempted to ask, why God? Remember this, we trust in God's timing, not because of our understanding, but because we trust that God sees more than we do, right? We trust in his timing, not because we understand it, not even because we agree with it, but because we trust that God sees more than we do. He knows more than we do. That's what Mary did. She trusted in her understanding of what God was doing by simply who was doing it. She leaned into her lack of understanding, right? A lot of times when we don't understand things, we pull back. We are hesitant. We, we kind of take a step back. And so often we, we do that. But Mary leaned into her lack of understanding and just said, I'm going to trust God. She allowed God to stretch her in crazy ways. And I learn a lot from Mary's reaction in this story. And here's some things. One, I, I see that Mary was ready to hear from God. She was ready. God didn't just choose her at random. He didn't just pick her out of a hat and say, oh, this one looks good. No, he chose her because she was ready to hear from God. She humbly reacts to the angel's greeting of her being highly favored. She says, greeting you who are highly favored. Says she's troubled at this. Like, what kind of greeting is this? Mary showed not fear of his greeting, but humility to say, who am I that God would be with me and speak to me? And, And we say that, but here's, in her sense, this is what was happening, okay? You see, God had not spoken to anyone for 400 years, 400 years, there was no recorded writing from God, no prophet speaking or anything. 400 years of no one saying, yeah, God has spoken this to me. Until God speaks to a guy named Zechariah. Zechariah, telling Zechariah that he and his wife would have a baby, though they were old and his wife couldn't have children. His wife was Mary's cousin. Now, I can imagine that Mary's cousin Elizabeth told her about her experience and Zachariah's experience with this angel named Gabriel coming to her, coming to him and and telling him they're going to have this son, right? And that she is now pregnant. Knowing that she, Mary, is someone who loves God and desires to serve him, knows his scripture, you might assume that she would be asking God, would you speak to me? Now, I bet she never assumed what God was actually going to speak to her that day. But Mary was ready to hear from God. Are we? Am I? Are you ready to hear from God? When is the last time God spoke something to you? Maybe never? Maybe you'd say, I don't don't know that God's ever spoken something to me. Well, God speaks to us in a few ways. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding. That's sometimes just a feeling or a thought in our heads. God speaks to us through other people, and God speaks to us through his word. This is the way that God has spoken to us. Now, my dad would always tell us growing up, he always had this saying, he said, if you want to hear from God, what's the last thing God told you to do? Go do it, and then ask God to speak to you. And it was so powerful because God, God values obedience. He wants to see us obeying him. And maybe you're like, well, I don't know what the last thing God told, told me to do is. Well, look at his word. The last thing God told us to do is to tell the whole world about him. When's the last time you just 
shared your faith with somebody or prioritized missions in your life and said, God, I want to do this for you. Right? That's being obedient, to God, being obedient to God. We share his news. So then continue to ask God to speak to you. And when he speaks, humbly do what he says. Right? The second thing I see is that Mary wasn't afraid of being inconvenienced. She trusted God. She knew that this wasn't the way her parents had dreamed her life would go, nor was it the way that she dreamed her life would go. But she didn't complain. In fact, she rejoiced. If you look down further in Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 47, you'll see that she rejoices in what's called Mary's song. And it says, Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She rejoices. When we trust God, it will more than likely be inconvenient. But God hasn't called us to a life of convenience. He's called us to a life of trusting him. Right? He didn't say, come follow me and it'll be easy. No, he said, take up your cross daily. Right? Serve me. Do the hard things. When you follow me, it's going to be difficult. And when we are faced with trouble, the best way to respond is the way Mary did. When we are inconvenienced, we respond with joy. In the book of James, he writes, consider it pure joy whenever you face troubles of many kinds, for this produces perseverance. Mary would go on from this story to leave her home, have a baby in a stable, live in the foreign country of Egypt for a little while, before finally returning back home to Nazareth with Joseph. It wasn't easy. It wasn't convenient. Nothing about her story is convenient. But she trusted God and his plan. The last thing I see is that Mary trusted God instead of asking why. She didn't respond with the why. Why are you doing this right now to me? Can't you just wait until I'm married so people don't look at me funny? Here's her response in verse 38. It says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. For some of us here, Christmas is not the most wonderful time of year. It's a time where you remember everything you've lost and all the people who aren't with you, everything you don't have. And it's easy to ask, why, God, in those times? But let Mary's response be how we respond to every situation. Remind ourselves, I am the Lord's servant. I am his servant. He, he calls me child. That's amazing. And he loves me. But still, I'm his servant. So I was created to serve him. If the only thing God ever did for me was send his son to die for me, that's more than enough. It's more than enough. He doesn't owe me blessings or favor, a nice home or a car or whatever it is that we call blessings. He doesn't owe me anything because I am his servant and he graciously wants a relationship with me and graciously wants to help me and provide for me. But in the mountaintops and in the valleys, I am still his servant. And I don't need to ask why. I simply need to know he is Lord. Because when we know God's intentions, we trust God's instructions. Right? When we know his intention, we know he's good. We have the whole Bible to show us that he is good and he has a plan and he's bigger than we could ever imagine and thinks through things more than we could ever understand. We know his intentions. So we need to trust his instructions. 
We don't need to ask why when we know the who, right? When we constantly ask why, we miss out on what God has for us. Or as Pastor Kyle said to me as we were talking about it this week, he said, it's not always wise to always be asking whys. He's way smarter than me. No, but seriously, when, when we are constantly questioning God, we miss out, right? It's called faith for a reason, Because we have to trust. Faith is not just seeing what's in front of you and being able to take the steps. It's seeing what isn't in front of you and being able to take the steps. Right? So after all of this, what can we learn from today? How can we go from this place? Well, we learn that that God's timing, though on the surface, looks like it doesn't make sense. We can see that he always has a plan. His timing allowed Christianity to spread and go places it never could have gone before. God's timing may not always be good for our plans, but is always perfect for his plans. And his plans are so much greater than ours. Music team, if you'd come and get ready. The Bible says, Jesus said, seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom, and then everything else will be given to you as well. But seek first his kingdom. Um, When we listed our house on the market in February of 2018, We had no idea what to expect. When we bought the house nine months earlier, it had been on the market for over three months. No one had bought this house Um, in a time where it was hard to buy a house. (laughs) Like houses were going like day after day. And so we, we didn't have the money to just cover the cost of not selling it for the same price at least that we bought for it. And not to mention all the closing costs and and the time in between of moving and all of that. We didn't know how it was going to work out. But we knew that God asked us to trust him. I remember we listed our house. It was a Sunday morning. It was supposed to go live that morning at like 8 a.m. or something like that. Um, Listed our house, 8 a.m. We're at church, leading kids' church and doing church and all that. Can't check it or anything. After church, we go, to, we go to check. We're like, oh, man, we got emails saying, like, requesting a showing for our house, and we're super excited and all that. We open up our email at, right, right after church in the parking lot of church, and nothing. No, no showing requested, like, no views, not, not, nothing. Zero. And we, we sat there, like, discouraged, like, God, did we not hear from you or you asked us to go from everything we've ever known to a place we don't know. What are we supposed to do? And I remember we pulled out of the parking lot, just so discouraged. We pull out down the street, a block away, and we we're at a stop sign. And we just stopped and prayed. <laughs> and we said, God, we don't know what to do. It's out of our hands. We're trusting you. And we, this was our prayer. We said, God, would you please sell our house by the end of the week. That was our prayer. God, would you please sell our house by the end of the week? And we, we pull out and we go home. Whole afternoon, still, still no showings requested or anything like that. We had already planned to like not be at home with, we had two dogs and a, and a baby. So we're like, we're gonna spend time at parents' house and all this stuff. And so we're not at home and it's still nothing throughout the entire day. Christmas shopping or something, and we got a phone call that someone wanted to go see our house. It was like 6 p.m. or something like that. We're 
first one. This is amazing. This is so cool. Long story short, um, by the end of Monday, we had three offers on our home, all for more than what we needed or asked for. And God was, it was like God was saying, you want me to sell your house by the end of the week? How about by the end of 24 hours? How about that? And, and I share this story not to say, when you trust God, everything's going to work out for you. Because it oftentimes doesn't. I have stories of, of the exact opposite, where I trust God and feel like, wow, this was not exactly how I thought it was going to go. But in hindsight, you see, wow, God was still working. When we trust God, things don't always work out the way you want. It's not the way it works. It will work out the way He wants it to. I promise you that. Countless people in the Bible, God used them in a way that they never saw the fulfillment of the promise that He gave them. Never. But they trusted God anyways, and that's what's called faith. Because when we trust in God's timing, we trust not because of our understanding, but because we trust that God sees more than we do. Would you stand with me today? See, Mary trusted God's timing. Though inconvenient, though it changed the course of her life, she trusted that God saw more than she could. She didn't ask why. She simply, she simply trusted God with childlike faith and wonder. That's what Christmas is all about, right? I believe church is about us growing wherever we're at. And growth takes response. It takes action. Even physical growth when you're a child takes proper nutrition and care to actually grow the way our body is supposed to. I don't want you to walk out these doors the same way you came in. I want you to grow, right? Church is not a place where we come to be fed. It's a place where we come to be challenged to say, what do I need to do to grow? So how can you respond today? How can you trust God in your life more? How can you give God more and say humbly, God, I want to hear from you today. Or, or God, I just want to experience you. Whatever that means. And so we're going to sing a song today in just a moment. But here's, here's some ways you may need to respond. Maybe you need to stop asking why and just trust God. Maybe you're someone that, that like me, constantly look at, even at the Bible, and look at stories and say, well, why did it happen this way? Well, God, why are you doing things this way? God, why, 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 why? And we act like little kids. I want to challenge us. Stop asking why and just trust God. Say, God, help me to put my true faith in you. Or maybe, maybe you need to hear from God. Maybe as we were talking about hearing from God, you'd say, you know, I, I, I've never experienced this. I've never experienced God leading me to do something or say something or give something or go somewhere. I've never experienced that and I want to humbly say, God, I'm willing to be inconvenienced. God, work in me, use me in whatever way. I promise you, he's going to show up. It might not be what you want. It might not be a way that you were thinking, but God wants to use us. Or three, maybe you need to respond to God with whatever, you, whatever spot you're in right now. Maybe you're in a mountaintop of life. You're in a good spot. Maybe you need to write it down so you have, a, have something to look back on. Remember God's blessings. Make a list of things that you could praise God for. 
Maybe you're in a difficult spot filled with hurt. Know that God is with you right now. He's with you right now. Tell God you trust him just as much in the valleys as you do in the mountaintops of life. Know that God can use your hurt, your pain, your difficult season for good. God used Mary's difficult season to bring out the greatest life change of all, the greatest gift of all. God, we come to you today and we just humbly ask you to speak into our lives. God, like you did to Mary, God, would you speak to us? God, challenge us to step out of our convenience and simply rely on you, to trust you. No matter what, God, help us to trust you more. During this Christmas season, God, let us focus more on you. Let's all, let's all agree today that we're going to try to trust God more each day. Now, I promise you, you're going to fail at times. You're going to go back and asking why. But know that God sees you right now. He sees what you could be if you trust him. Let's say, as, as Mary did, let this be our heart. God, I am your servant. Let your word to me be fulfilled. And like it said in this story, his word will never fail. What he says will never fail. But each morning, what, what if we woke up each morning and said, God, today I'm your servant. I don't, I'm not, we don't start our day saying, God, would you bless me today? Would you, would you give me your favor? Those are, are great, but say, God, I, I'm your servant. God, would you use me to do something today, to change someone's life, to show them your love? If we viewed ourselves more as, as a tool to be used by God, instead of someone that, that needs help all the time, right? Thank God, I, I, I'm your servant. I want to be used by you. Now, there's people in this place, as I've been talking about the story of Christmas and, and what it means to trust God and have a real relationship with Him. Maybe you've never said, yeah, I, I have a real, authentic relationship with Jesus. Now, if you want that life-changing love of God, want to say, you know what, I, I want to be God's servant. I don't want to just walk through life with my plans. I want his plans for my life. And you want to say, God, I ask you to forgive me and make me new. If that's you today, and you'd say, you know what, I, I, from this day forward, I want to live for God. I want to make him the Lord of my life. I've never done that before. Or maybe I've never really lived it out before. With every head bowed and eyes closed. If that's you today, you want a real, authentic, life-changing relationship with Jesus. Just let's raise your hand. Amazing. Awesome. Yeah. And we're going to pray. Whether you raised your hand or not, you say this from your heart. You mean this to God. These are not magic words. This is, this is a prayer from you to God. So would you repeat after me? Say, Dear God, Thank you for sending Jesus. I give you my life. I am your servant. Let your word to me be fulfilled. I want to worship you with my life. Forgive me and make me new. Amen. Amen. Amen.